What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Lockdown Yankees podcast, your daily podcast covering the New York Yankees. We are brought to you by the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're a new listener, hello and welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy yourself. I'm your host, Stacey Gotsoulias. You can follow me on Twitter at Lockdown Yankees or at my personal account, Stace Gotts. You can listen to and subscribe to Locked on Yankees on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can also listen to the show on our website, LockedOnYankees.com. And finally, you can play Locked on Yankees on your smart speakers by saying, play podcast Locked on Yankees. As always, you can email questions or comments to LockedOnNYY at gmail.com. On today's episode of Locked on Yankees, we'll look at some Yankees news. Honestly, there isn't that much to be had because things are quiet with the World Series starting tonight, and most of this week's baseball news revolves around the rematch of the 1916 World Series, but not all of it. Apparently, the Yankees have gotten some calls from teams inquiring about Gary Sanchez. Now, I know he had one of the worst regular seasons by a Yankee ever in 2018, but I don't think that's the norm, and I don't think the Yankees are going to give up on him that easily. And I know everyone will ask, but what about his crappy defense behind the plate? Look, I know he has trouble blocking pitches, but he's still a game, good game caller. He does a nice job framing pitches and he has a tremendous throwing arm. So it's way too soon to give up on Sanchez. The Yankees would be silly to do it. So nice try, mystery teams. In other Yankee news, I already discussed the meetings that will take place this week with Cashman and all of the other front office executives where they are going to figure out a game plan for this offseason, who to pursue, who not to pursue, whose option to exercise, who to buy out. There's a lot of stuff. How much money they should spend, because I don't know if everyone realizes it, but... The Red Sox and Dodgers had the two highest payrolls this season, and they're meeting in the World Series. Interesting. So there are a lot of internal questions. You know, are they going to keep Miguel Andujar? Are they going to trade him? You know, do they move him to first base because his defense isn't that great, but he has a good bat? Or... Do they acquire someone like Paul Goldschmidt to play first to replace Greg Bird and Luke Voigt? Do they go after Patrick Corbin because they do need pitching? And also the infield with Gregorius out until at least July of 2019. How's the infield going to look? Will Glaber Torres man shortstop? Will they stick with him at second? Will they go after Manny Machado? And as I mentioned yesterday, Brett Gardner has an option, but there's also a $2 million payout that the Yankees could make. Now, he's the longest tenured Yankee, and he didn't have a great season, but he is a really good defender. He's an important member of the clubhouse, being the guy who's been around the longest and he's one of the oldest players on the team. And then the other issue is the fact that there are so many other players 
slotted for outfield positions, and there's only three of them <laughs> because you have Aaron Hicks, Aaron Judge, and Giancarlo Stanton. You also have Clint Frazier who could return. Um, that guy, Jacoby Ellsbury, remember him? Yeah, he might return healthy in 2019. Then you also have Andrew McCutcheon, who did a really nice job after being acquired by the Yankees on August 31st. So he could also return. So there's a lot of stuff that the Yankees need to decide and quick. So Randy Miller of NewJersey.com ranked the 10 most disappointing Yankees. And I'm going to go through the list and tell you if I agree with his choices. He has Luis Severino listed at number 10. And I know it seems absolutely ridiculous that someone who finished the season 19 and 8 is ranked as a disappointing player, but he was disappointing. He was 14 and 2 with a 2.12 ERA in his first 19 starts. And then he fell apart in July, August, September, and during the playoffs. They need him to go from start to finish. He can't keep hitting the wall in the second half of the season. He's like the pitching equivalent of what Brett Gardner used to be. Number nine is Brandon Drury. Remember him? Yeah. So he's actually with the Blue Jays now, in case you didn't remember that whole thing, because he was part of the uh, J.A. Happ trade. And it was disappointing because Drury looked like he could do pretty well with the Yankees. And then he got sick, had all these weird headaches and stuff, and couldn't play um, because his migraines caused him to have blurry vision. Um, but he was a disappointment. I mean, it, it, it's obviously not his fault that he was unhealthy and that stuff like that was happening to him. But, you know, it looked like he could be some sort of like a spark plug on the team and it didn't amount to anything. Now he has Neil Walker as number eight. And I don't think, was anyone expecting Walker to be really good? Because I don't think anyone really was. He uh, had some big hits for the Yankees, which was nice. But I think Aaron Boone stuck with him too much. He didn't do enough to deserve the amount of playing time that he had this season. Number seven, Tommy Canely. Yes, he was definitely disappointing. He also was on the DL. He had right shoulder tendonitis. And then he wasn't doing well during his rehab outings, which is why he was in triple A for so long. Now, Canely needs to get his act together because it's possible that the Yankees will lose David Robertson and Zach Britton to free agency. We'll see how that goes. David Robertson fired his agents and he's acting as his own agent, <laughs> which I don't know if that's really smart of him, but okay. Number six is Tyler Wade. I don't know. I don't think anyone was really expecting much of Tyler Wade. I know I wasn't. Um, I, I know the Yankees were thinking that he could be a super utility guy, but that just didn't work out. He was optioned to AAA at the end of April. Glaber Torres was called out, and the rest is history. Up next, we'll continue with the countdown of the 10 most disappointing Yankees. But first... 
Is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Well, your company could be mentioned here right now. It turns out podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their podcasts. Our demographic is 98% male. They have more education and they earn more than traditional media audiences. So have your company sponsor this podcast. You can email me at lockedonnyy at gmail.com for more information. Number five is Brett Gardner. Yeah, he did not look good. Um, usually Gardner was the type of player who started off, you know, his first half was good. His second half, he always fell off. This year, he had a very bad April, just like in 2017. He only had 12 home runs. He had 21 in 2017. He just didn't look great at the plate. And it's understandable. He's 35. He's in the twilight of his career. He'll be, he'll turn 36 on August 24th, 2019. So his days as a Yankee could be numbered. And yes, it'll be disappointing if that happens, but the Yankees have to field the best team that they can. Number four is Giancarlo Stanton. And yes, he was disappointing. It seems silly to bag on someone who had 38 home runs and 100 RBI, but he just couldn't do anything with runners in scoring position. His pitch recognition was dog poop. (laughs) You know, swinging at pitches out of the zone, looking at pitches down the middle, you know, and looking really bad doing it. He finished the season with 211 strikeouts, which is, uh, yeah, that's not great. (laughs) So he, yes, while he did hit 38 home runs, he was very disappointing. Number three is Greg Bird. That doesn't even need any explanation. He had an abysmal 2018. He got hurt again. It's, It's unbelievable how bad Greg Bird's luck is. And then Luke Voigt came along, stole his first baseman job. And it, I just, it's unbelievable the bad luck that Greg Bird has. He finished 2018 with a 199 average in 272 at-bats. He did have 16 doubles, 11 home runs, one triple, and he finished the year with 30 walks and 78 strikeouts. Everyone keeps saying, well, not everyone, the Yankees keep saying that they think that Greg Bird has superstar talent and potential, but he just has not lived up to the potential yet. And it's as if he has feet made of glass because he always has foot injuries. It's unbelievable. Number two is Sonny Gray, which, yeah, yeah, I'd put him at two just because number one is an obvious choice. Sonny Gray was probably the most frustrating player to watch on the 2018 Yankees. He just couldn't do anything right. (laughs) And what's amazing is he finished 11 and 9, but, you know, he finished with a 4.90 ERA. He made 23 starts and he just, he just couldn't do anything. Couldn't do anything at home. Looked awful in pretty much every start at Yankee Stadium. Then it was, oh, well, he pitches better on the road. But even then he wasn't doing great. He just, I don't know. He looked so much better when he first came over from the A's. Not that he was a lights out pitcher, but he was much better than the pitcher he was in 2018. So it looks like the Yankees are probably going to try and trade him. And I think that's best. He'll probably do better on another team, maybe. 
and hopefully the Yankees can get something good in return. Number one is Gary Sanchez. This is not shocking. He, uh, let's see. Okay. 186 average in 323 at bats. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, 18 home runs, uh, 17 doubles. You know, he did have injury issues, but he just could not get anything going. And every time you thought that maybe he was getting going, he would just fall flat again. I don't know if he was having trouble recognizing pitches. I don't know if he was having trouble making adjustments, um, but it just seemed like he couldn't make any adjustments against anyone. And that is the most disappointing aspect of this season for him. So hopefully he will do better in 2019. Up next, we will reminisce about World Series from the past. But first, 22 years ago tonight, the infamous Jim Lairitz game was played in Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. It was the game that found the Yankees down 6 nothing in the sixth inning. Then they scored three in the sixth, three in the eighth, then two in the tenth to win the game. This was a very big game for the Yankees, who found themselves down 2-1 in the series. Losing the first two at home and then heading on the road to try and survive was not an easy thing to do. But that year, Joe Torre guaranteed George Steinbrenner that they would return to Yankee Stadium and win the World Series. And boy, was he right. Now, this game, I was up in Oswego, and (laughs) one of my housemates was a Cleveland Indians fan who was bothering me. And it was like, dude, your team isn't in the World Series. Mine is, so my team is better than yours, so shut up. (laughs) I lived with mostly guys in my house off campus and, you know, I watched all sports, so we all got along really well, but yeah, it's like, dude, come on. So, um, Kenny Rogers infamously started that game and infamously stunk like he did. He did most of the playoffs, didn't he? Like the Yankees bailed him out a lot. And he had the nerve to be one of the most boisterous people on the parade float. And it was like, dude, you nearly cost them the World Series. What a dink. Anyway, one of my favorite calls of all time by Joe Buck was when Leyritz's home run in the top of the eighth tied the game. You know, back at the track at the wall, we are tied amazing and it was funny because at that moment even though there was more game to be played it just felt like the momentum shifted to the Yankees as soon as they tied that game and it felt like the Braves were this giant balloon that got deflated when that ball went over the wall and then in the 10th inning Tory pinch hitting Wade Boggs for Andy Fox. And 
he works the walk, which forces in rains. Unbelievable. And I remember that at bat so clearly in the way that Boggs tossed his bat away and jogged to first base and rain scored. And it was like, woo, you know, but I was very nervous in that inning. And my housemate, the Cleveland Indians fan actually said, do you want a paper bag? You're hyperventilating. Now you have to understand. I was too young to remember the 77 and 78 world series. I did remember the 81 World Series. I cried myself to sleep. I was listening to the game on the radio when I shouldn't have been because I should have been asleep, but I wasn't. I had a clock radio. It was a Sony dream machine. I loved that thing. So I would listen to the radio late at night. My parents never knew. And I was was seven when they lost in 81. And I remember hearing them lose and I cried myself to sleep. So This was a big deal for me. This was the first time that the Yankees were back in the World Series since 81. And obviously, I wanted them to win. And then Charlie Hayes reached on the E3, that weird pop play, like just. And then Jeter scored to make it 8 6. Now, remember the bottom of the 10th? being frightening a little bit just because Wetland had a way of making games more interesting than they should be. But thankfully he gave up the single to Jones and then die and Pendleton both flew out, but, or flied out, flied out, right? That's the right baseball term. I remember being so excited And then even more nerve-wracking was Game 5, which I will talk about tomorrow, since the anniversary is tomorrow. But that World Series was... It was amazing. It was amazing to watch, and I wish I had gone to some of the games... I think I told you guys the story that my dad had a ticket for me for game six. My mom didn't tell me because she thought it would be ridiculous for me to come down for one day and then have to go back up to school. I still haven't forgiven her for it 22 years later because I still haven't had a chance to go to a World Series clinching game. (laughs) Plus, I missed that experience with my dad. I never got to experience it with my dad and my brother did. So I'll always be envious of that. So yes, tomorrow in the third segment of the episode, we will discuss Game 5 against the Braves in 96. So that'll be it for today's episode of Locked on Yankees. I'm your host, Stacey Gotsoulias. You can follow me on Twitter at StaceGots. And you can email questions to LockedOnNYY at gmail.com, or you can just tweet them to me at LockedOnYankees. If you could be so kind, please rate this podcast on Apple and on Google. You can subscribe at Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. And I will bid you all a fond adieu. Enjoy the first game of the World Series tonight. I am rooting for the Meteor. Enjoy your day, everyone.